Good morning. Y'all sounded subdued. You know what subdued means? It's kind of like, kind of. In fact, I was watching. You ever watch people at church? I do in the mall. You can do this in the mall. But as I was watching, there was a wave of yawns. It started over here. And I first saw it with Katie and Reese over here, nearly the same time. It went over to this section. I didn't see anybody in this section. It was Melissa and Michael. And then over here it was Dylan. And it was all at one. It's like they were seeing each other. And it's, it's the neatest, coolest thing. And then I thought, I ain't got a chance this morning, do I? I don't have a chance in the world to keep anybody awake this morning. I, I, I appreciate, I, I've heard all about Terry's impersonation of me yesterday, of last Sunday. I have looked for it, and he has somehow inserted a, a sabotage between the video here and it going on YouTube. It's still not on YouTube, and I was just wanting to watch it, but I hear he did good. Was it good? Okay, so it was a really good sermon then? Because he was impersonating me? Uh, that was supposed to be affirming to me, and I feel very insecure from your response. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be there in just a moment. Don't forget, next week we're really pu pumping a lot of attention into the, the Relationship Matters seminar, and I promise you it's well worth your effort. If I can just get you to Bible class, it will sell you. So be here for Bible class, and, and of course the worship. We always want to be at worship, and, and, and I think you'll hear Jerry, and you'll, just, you'll say, I've got to be there for the rest of it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. I want a representative from each of the schools. So, um, Ashley, if you'd stand right where you are and grab a, 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 a card from the pew in front of you and a pen. And somebody from Jonesboro schools, who, who would be willing to? Nobody's going to be? How about Nettleton? We got some, okay, you think you can answer? It's a test question, so you got to be ready. Okay, how about, let's see, Brooklyn. Is Brooklyn here? Could somebody? All right, okay. Here's, here's your test question. Take, your, take a card and a pen. You ready? Now, this is pressure. Oh, yeah, CRA. Am I missing anybody? Valley View, duh. <laughs> that is so pathetic. Valley View. Who's from Valley View who would do this? All right, okay. All right, you guys are on the spot. Now, am I missing anybody else? West Side. Yeah, come on, Dial. Stand up, stand up. We're going to see which school is best right here at church service. You can, see, you can see it already? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. All right. Truman? Wow. This is going to be more complicated than I thought. Riverside, man, did I, what? Did I miss somebody? Okay, I'm going to let anybody else stand who wants to. Okay, you've got you to fill this out. Home? <laughs> this is, okay, anybody? Okay, whoever wants to, okay. All right, here's the question. Go to the next screen if you would. This is the phrase. You are the salt of the earth. This is an easy question, no trick question. 
What kind of sentence is this? You're going to have choices, so don't, don't feel like you're making this up. First one is, is it an imperative sentence? Second one is, is this an interrogative sentence? Third one, exclamatory sentence, or is this a declarative sentence? You have a few seconds to write down your answer. It's one of those four. What kind of sentence is this? You are the salt of the earth. And I could put another one in there. You are the light of the world. That's the same thing. It's the same kind of sentence. And, uh, okay, so um, I'm going to let, uh, why did, did I lose people? When the question's asked, no, okay, all right. West side, do you have an answer? The last one, declarative, you think so? Okay, that's what you thought too? Cameron, you the same? Declarative, and you said, you're all right. Good job, guys, we're teaching you right. Now, the ASU students will get that in two years. Um, <laughs> Okay, you know this, right? The imperative means it's a command. This is not a command. Most often when I've heard this preach, people will say, you need to be salt of the earth, but it's not a command. It's not an interrogative. It would end with a question mark. It's not exclamatory, although I guess it could be if you're getting on to somebody. But this is a declarative sentence, which means it's a statement of fact. It's a statement of truth. Jesus comes along, and this is the first thing I want you to get from this passage. You are the salt of the earth. He's not saying, now go out and be salt of the earth. That's not what he said. You are. When you become a, become a kingdom citizen, when you're a spirit-filled Christian, when you are a disciple of Christ and you are living in this world, you are salt, you are light. Your entire life is that way. It's not something you do. It's something you already are. That's a really big, important thing I want you to get. So I want you to say with me, I am the salt of the earth. You ready? That is exactly right. That's the first truth he wants to get you. And then he issues a warning. And the warning is this. Don't lose your saltiness. Don't hide your light. These are both the same message. Do not fail to be who you are. I'm just asking you to be who you are. And I'm not asking you to do something. I'm asking you to be something. And I'm asking you not to hide it. I'm, not, I'm asking you not to, to act out of character. I'm asking you not to fake being something that you aren't. You are salt and you are light. Now the question becomes in this, how would salt ever lose its saltiness? Salt is salt. It's a stable compound that doesn't break down or get changed. And the only thing I can think of is, well, there's a couple. One is that the salt is salt, but it doesn't function. It stays in the salt shaker. Right? It never gets out of the salt shaker. It stays in there. It's not mobile, and it sits over here when it's needed over here. It's sort of like a, a salt shaker that's full of moisture, and the, and the salt sticks together, and you can't get it to come out. And, and it just stays in here. And this would, be, this would be us if we're at church all the time. If the church got together and said, the elders said, I want you to make people busy all the time. We want our members up here studying the Bible all the time and praying all the time, and we want them up here on the hill all the time. I couldn't stand you people that much. Isn't that true? Who, there's such a thing as too much salt. Have you ever done this before? You go to a restaurant and some little jerk is taking the top off, right? 
and you're about to salt something, you go, and the whole thing comes out. And it just, it makes your blood pressure spike as soon as you eat those mashed potatoes. Too much salt. We don't need to be up here all the time. And while I'll tell our kids and I'll tell all of us, we need to, to participate in the church and be active here, I will tell you this, don't be here all the time and consider this all of your Christian mission. I want our kids on sports teams. I want our kids on, on, on knowledge bowl teams. I want our kids out there involved because that's what being salt is about, is getting out there in the world where the salt's needed. When you get that fry, nothing like putting salt on it. And nothing like being somewhere and they're out of the salt packets and you've got to eat those fries without the salt. So the first thing I can see about not losing its saltiness, it's not that it's not salt anymore, it's not applied to what it's supposed to be changing. But the second thing I can see is it gets diluted because it's combined with something else. And so in order to do this in a small church where we have very few potlucks and you fill up that salt shaker once a year, <laughs> there's something they do to the salt to keep it from sticking together in moisture. Does anybody know what they do? Yeah, you put rice in it. The first time I saw that, I thought, are these people confused about what that thing's for? What do I want rice on anything? Hard rice on something. The reason they do that is it absorbs the moisture and the salt gets to stay together. And you, and you put it. This, and this is the opposite of the other. Uh, the first one is we stay at church all the time and we never get out in the world. Valley View will not do that. We will not schedule your life because your, ma your major mission in life is not in this building. It's out there. But on the other hand, if you're out there and you never come in here for the strength and encouragement from each other, you will dilute your saltiness, and Christians by themselves in isolation cannot do much. Let me give you an example of this. You've got Sodom about to be exploded, about to have the fire from God just boom them, right? Just fry them. But before he does that, before God does that to punish them for their sin because it reached this measure of no return, Abraham is sitting there looking at him, and, and God says, I'm going to tell you, Abraham, what I'm about to do to this city. I'm about to destroy this city because of its sin. And, God, and Abraham says, no, no, you can't do that. If there's 50 Christians, if there's 50 pieces of salt in that city, can it make a difference? And God says, sure, it can make a difference. If I find 50, I'll not destroy it. He says, okay, how about 40? And then we do this auction. Eh, let me hear 40, 40, let me hear 30, let me hear 30, let me 20, 20. If I can find 10... God says, for 10 people, if I have 10 pieces of salt in that city, I'll spare it because there's still a chance. And how many did he find? Four. And by the way, when one of them turned back, what did he turn them into? <laughs> because she wasn't. Four pieces of salt cannot change a city. Therefore, get out of there. Because if you go to McDonald's, you open up that bag, and there's one piece of salt for that big extra, extra bag of fries or whatever, right? That's not going to do much. Guys, I, I want you out there doing salt, right? Being salt in the world, just like your identity is. But you need to come together and find the strength that comes in community to have the strength of influence to make any difference. You're not going to do it Lone Ranger. You're not going to do it in isolation from everybody else. It's one of the reasons why I applaud what Michael's doing this year going to CYC in Gatlinburg or Pigeon Forge because our young people need to know there are young people, lots of Christian young people out there, they don't know and they've never met, and you get together with 12,000 young people and you realize we are not alone in this, not even in Jonesboro, Arkansas. 
There's a lot of salt out there. You're not by yourself. But you know what? Sometimes we try it by ourselves. We separate ourselves from the church, and we don't draw the strength that the fellowship has for each other. You need this to maintain your strength of saltiness. But when it comes to light, this is the other analogy. When you hide your light, we got this song, Let Your Light Shine, right? This is a light of mine. We've got this weird verse about Satan in out. And I don't know where that comes from. Somebody just wanted a second verse. But the only verse he really uses is nobody hides it. Why would anybody who is light, you are light, right? You are the light of the Why would anybody intentionally cover up their light? Why would anybody who is who is created by God, recreated by God in Christ to be the light of the world, why would they try their best to cover it up and not let it shine? I've asked that question a lot this week of different people. Why is it that you would act different than you are? What would make you not be who you're supposed to be? What would make you change your identity? And most of the answers are two things. One is, one is I'm afraid I won't be accepted if I am who I am. I've got to be somebody else in order to be accepted and belong somewhere. I've got to act somehow different. There's that girl that I'm really, really taking a liking to, but you know what? She wouldn't like me for who I am, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to be who I think she wants me to be to earn her interest, to gain her interest in me, when in actuality it's a total lie, right? Because that's not you at all. I feel this way sometimes. When I look at senior pictures, anybody ever seen somebody's senior picture on Facebook? You go, I don't know who that is. And you look up at the name, and it's somebody you know well, but you've never seen them look like that. Anybody have that? I've never seen them look like that before. I'll tell you one time I will not look at Facebook is right after proms. Because I don't want to know, I don't want to see a lot of our church young people dress that way. Not being salt, it seems to me. It's really, it's a weird thing. Why, why, do we, why do we bend to the world standards at certain moments in our life and don't act like we're, we're salt. Quit acting like something else. Be salt, be light, and don't hide it. Don't cover it up for some reason. We do this because we're afraid we won't be accepted where we are. And as parents, we would say this. If you have to be somebody other than you are to be accepted somewhere, you don't need to be accepted there. Be who you are. Be light because that's who you are. It's like, and, and I don't want to pick on young people because at your 20th class reunion, how many of you start whipping yourselves into shape and getting a new wardrobe all before that 20th anniversary uh, reunion, right? What are you doing that for? And then I've met people who get divorced, and right after they get divorced, they lose all this weight and get in shape. And I think, why didn't you do that for your husband when you were married? We refuse to be who we are because we're trying to be accepted in places we don't belong anyway. Be the light all the time. And if you have to extinguish the light to be accepted somewhere, don't want to go there. The second reason, he says, is because of persecution. A lot of times, he says this in the last of the Beatitudes, when you do what's right, you live the Christian life, and you're being salt and light, there will be people who don't like you. You rub them the wrong way. There's a friction. There's this, there's this, this repulsion to the light. Because when you're used to darkness and suddenly the light comes on, it's a little abrasive. 
Try this at church camp. Everybody's asleep. You turn the lights on because nobody wants to wake up. Turn that light on. It's abrasive. We don't want it. And that's the way we are sometimes. And that's the way it's got to be. We're going to skip the Hebrews 10 passage. But I will say this, in the Hebrew, the Hebrew writer in chapter 10, when he's preaching the sermon, said, you know what, I remember those days. I remember those days when you would stand with Christians who were persecuted and you would let your property be confiscated. I remember the days when you were salt and light, and now, now you're shrinking back. Don't be like those shrinking back. Do not extinguish your light. But the bulk of this passage really is about why should you do this? What should motivate you? to live salt and light when you might be persecuted for it and you might even find yourself not belonging in certain places. Why should you be willing to be who you are even when it costs you something? And in this passage, there's three reasons. One of them is that you'll be blessed by God. It's a reward. The Bible never does back down from talking about rewards, and neither should we. There's rewards for living the Christian life, not just in the hereafter either. There's some rewards in this life you get from God. Blessed are those who are this way, and you'll receive this. That's what the Beatitudes are saying. You will be blessed. So go ahead and talk about rewards some. There's a reward for living a righteous life, and it might be a different kind of reward than the world gives, but it's a more long-standing and deep one. The second reason why is because the world needs you, and this is the biggest emphasis of this passage. The world needs you. The main reason for salt in the ancient world was as a preservative. I thank God by his grace he put me in a refrigeration generation. I've got a refrigerator. you got something, you stick it in the refrigerator. We usually, what we do that for is so that it rots and I feel okay about throwing it out, whereas if I throw it out immediately, I feel guilty. Isn't that right? Anybody got a rotter in your refrigerator? You think it's a crisper, you think it's something to keep it for, no really, it's just to put it in there and two weeks later I'll feel just in being able to throw it out. Refrigeration keeps things from going rotten and getting nasty and gross and decrepit. And that's exactly what God put us in the world for. When you read Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to listen, I just want you to listen to this description, don't go there, but Romans chapter 1 is this passage about what the world looks like when it lives without an awareness and appreciation for God. And we know the big ones. The big ones are they exchange natural sexual relations for unnatural ones, homosexuality, and all that stuff becomes rampant. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Does this sound like the evening news to you? But he goes on to describe, this is what happens when they, they just get rid of God in the world. It gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Filled with unrighteousness and evil and covetousness and malice. Full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and maliciousness. And gossips and slanders. Anybody read Facebook lately? Gossip, slanders, haters of God. Insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. Disobedient to parents. Not respectful of authority. That's what the world looks like when it's existing apart from God. And into this world that God knew we would become, God inserts his people as salt to be a preservative to offset the decay. Watch the evening news and, don't, and tell me this world isn't in a spiral toward decay. And the only thing that God can do 
to slow this process down or even reverse it is to throw in some salt as a preservative. And that's what he's done with us. We're to go in the world and we're to change it. We're to make it a different place. When the whole world says sexual license, we're going to do whatever we want to, they've got a group of Christians out there who are living sexual pure lives. That's why it's important, church. When you're married, stay married and be faithful and have a happy marriage and show the world what a happy marriage looks like. We show the wisdom of God when we demonstrate a happy Christian marriage in the world. That's what we're doing. And young people, when you resist that urge for that, that sexual expression before you get married, you're being, assault, you're being assault in this world. I want you to assault the world and be pure and holy. The world is full of coarse language and filthy speech, and it needs a group of people, as Paul says in Colossians, who have speech seasoned with salt. They need us out there with pure language that's different from what you hear everywhere else. In a world that doesn't respect authority and is into bullying and belittling, show Christian faith and show saltiness by respecting and submitting and honoring. You show me a classroom full of students who are real salt, real Christians, and are being salt and light, and I'll show you one happy teacher in our world. And the reason we don't do this is we feel like if I live this way, everybody else is drunk, I'm not going to drink at all. I'm certainly not going to get drunk like the world. I'm different. When they see that you pray and you have a calmness rather than an anxiety like they do, they take notice, and when they see kindness and gentleness, and they see you forgiving easily and bearing with people who slight you, when the world sees that, it preserves the world from going to hell. That is your role. And we're afraid to do that because we're afraid we'll be walked on. But that's not true. I want you to listen to the passage again. Just one verse in it. Matthew chapter 5. If the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. We think if we live this Christian ethic of the Beatitudes, we'll be walked all over. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says you'll be walked all over if you are salt, but you don't act like it. When the world knows who you're supposed to be and you are a hypocrite, the world will walk all over you. It doesn't need you. You become worse than them because at least the world respects when we stand up and have a different ethic and they take notice of us living a Christian life. They will at least respect it. They may disagree, they may belittle, but they will respect it. What they will not respect is you're supposed to be salt and you're not being that. That's when they'll walk all over you and they should. How does this really work? Right now, you've got a president who's just dead set on sending all the Mexicans back. Now, I'm not going to get political with this, but here's what's interesting to me. If you go back 20, 30, 40 years ago, notice how the world's changed. If you take the Mexican restaurants out of Jonesboro, you're going to be in trouble. I bet a bunch of you are going there today. You know how the Mexicans overtook our country without a shot they came here and brought their work ethic with them and they'll do things Americans won't do and that's what's amazing to me when you try to get rid of them what are we gonna do 
What's going to happen? They bring their work ethic and they bring their language and they bring their food with them and they live among us and they don't fire a shot and they're not offensive and they're not mean and they're not obnoxious. They come and live their life among us and slowly, 20, 30, 40 years later, we've got Mexican restaurants we all love. We have them in every field doing the agricultural jobs we want to do. They have become an integral part without firing a shot on us. It's a coup attempt that worked and this is how Christians do it. We don't go in here and fire shots and we don't try to be violent. We don't try to legislate morality. We just come into the world and we live by another world, an ethic, a work ethic of another world. We have a different language than this world. We have a different behavior than this world. And the world sees it and puts up with it for a while and then realizes it needs us. That's how you take the world. That's salt. That's light. That's what we're called to do, and the world needs us badly. The world needs us badly to live like we're supposed to. And we will preserve the world. We will offset the decay. I liken this a lot to you parents. Us parents have a difficult challenge because while, while we want to be friends with our kids, we cannot be just friends. There are things we have to be an authority in their lives and make them do. And they may not like it and they may protest and there are things we can't just say, whatever you want to do, huh? you can't do that all the time. When they're little, it's something, and when it's bigger, there's something. And parents have to be an authority sometimes, and that, that's what the world is for us as salt. We can't just be friends with the world and we can't give them everything they want. Not everything is a contrast, but there's an awful lot of it. And sometimes to be salt, we have to be abrasive, and we have to be willing to live these lives that are stark and almost abrasive to them. We'll do that because this is our responsibility to the world, to be salt and light to them. We are doing them a favor even as they sometimes hate it. Parents, you're going to do the same thing. There's a last reason you do it, and it's the greatest of all. It's the last part of verse 16, to bring glory to our God. It's what he made us for. It's what he called us to. If we're not going to be salt to this world that God so dearly loves and try to preserve it and even save some parts of it, if we're not going to do that, God's purpose is thwarted. You see, so many in the Christian world think that God's only purpose is to bring you salvation. That is not true. He wants you to be saved, but he wants to use you in his kingdom to bring his kingdom to the earth, his will be done in your life as it is in heaven, and share this with the world. It's not just about you, it's about the world we live in, and we will bring glory to God. When Paul's talking about his life and how he used to persecute Christians, and now he's preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, as he's telling his story in Galatians chapter 1, he says, this is where I went, I went all these places, and they, they heard about the way I used to live, and then they heard my preaching and here's what happened chapter 1 verse 24 and they glorified God because of me 
Paul says, when they heard my story and they heard my message, they glorified God because of me. And this is your task, church. Your task is to know that you live in such a way that there's somebody in this world glorifying God because of you, because of what they saw in you, because of what they heard from you, and because of you being salt and light. Is there anybody in the world today who is a praiser of God who's a glorifier of God, who's a child of God because of you? If there is, there's no greater source of joy to you than that. If you can start your day and say, I'm going to live my life today to where if somebody's watching me, maybe they'll give glory to God by the end of the day because of something in me. And at the end of the day, you can say, I've lived in such a way that if somebody watched me, Maybe they're giving glory to God's some reason because of me. There's no higher calling in all the earth. And the only way you can do this is to be who you are, who God has recreated you to be in Christ. Be salt and be light. Let's go for a reward, church. Let's go for a reward. Let's go for the highest reward we can get from God when he blesses us. Let's go, let's go for changing this world and just offsetting just a little bit in our daily lives, in our small way. Let's offset the decay that's overtaking this world and sending it straight down into damnation. Let's be a group of people who long to be able to say, people praised God and glorified God because of me and to have God show his favor toward us. This is all possible. Be salt and light, but remember this, you already are salt and light. Be who you are. Be who you are. If you're not salt and light, there's no reason why you should not be by giving glory himself, yourself to God himself. As you give him praise and as you say, I want you to save me and I want to be your child, I want, I want God to, you call the shots, I'm tired of calling the shots, uh, be immersed in the waters of baptism, washed in a new life, right? You rise and become salt and light. That's what you will be. And then as you live that way, you can bring great honor and glory to him. If you've already done that and for whatever reason what you're doing is discouraging people rather than encouraging people to view God properly, Repent right now, right where you are. You don't need to step forward at all. God, I've not been living in such a way that if people watch me, they'd bring you glory. That's going to change right now. And if for some reason you need the prayers of this church to do that, if it's something deep-seated and you're wondering, can I do this myself, that's what we're here for. Come to the fellow salt people. We'll pray for you as well. You are the salt of the earth. Go forth and be salt as we stand and sing to encourage you.